0: I am Caleb and this is the Heir of Grievances Podcast. Pick up where I left off a couple of episodes ago. I did an episode called Heads or Tails. This episode is being entitled Tails or Heads, and the theme of it is salvation. And the textbook that we are cross-referencing is the Bible. And of course, there are many different translations of the Bible. And because I, as a more liberal Christian, uh, tend to lean towards the New Living Translation, I've decided, uh, in order to keep things fair, that I'm going to be reading from the NIV, which, when I was growing up, was kind of the standard in uh, in the Southern Baptist Church that I was raised in, which, which, again, does not have to do with all Southern Baptist churches. It just has to do with the one that I was raised in. And I have a few verses here... Uh, It's a similar format to last time. I'm going to read through them. I'm going to do my damnedest, I'm going to do my very, very, very hardest to read them from the perspective of one who might consider themselves a conservative Christian. So I'm going to read from the NIV and the ESV, which I feel like is, it is a little bit more conservative, In its translation, but it is also, uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, contemporary in that it pulls from the Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, it's a little bit updated, I suppose might be the best term. Okay, so we're going to start with Revelation chapter 20. And I'm going to pick up with verse 10. And the devil who deceived them... Was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There we go. Eternal damnation written right there in black and white. For the devil who deceived them, we can, I think we can infer that them refers to humanity here. The devil was thrown into the lake of burning fire, burning, I'm sorry, burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. So they've been thrown there already. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. That is damnation at its finest for the devil, the beast, and the false prophet. I'll tell you that right now. Let's take a little peek. That was the NIV. Let us take a look at the ESV, the English Standard Version. We're going to pick up with the same verse, same chapter. So chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil, who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, not a huge difference there. Um, I do not see the people who the devil deceived being thrown into the lake of fire here, but um, that's just this one singular excerpt. And so, let's see what else we got here. Let's see if we can't shine a little bit more light. Okay, so a little context. This is just after Christ's resurrection. Okay, so not a lot of people had seen him yet. And, um, yeah, let's let's just uh, go ahead and leave it at that and pick up here in Mark 16. Let's start with... Let's go back a little bit. Let's start with verse 12. Afterward... Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. They returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Be real, I I wouldn't believe them. Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating, which, you know, they're performing the, the Eucharist, bread and wine. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. He would have rebuked me too. Full of doubt. Full of lack of faith. And he rebuked them for their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So he's saying, you should have trusted these guys. You should have taken it at face value. You shouldn't have doubted them. He said to them, go into all the world... Preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. I've never done that. No believer that I know who I fully, 100% trust every single word they say, who maybe I don't feel like might be caught up, I don't want to say cult, but caught up in a groupthink scenario where everyone reinforces everyone else. I've never seen someone drive out a demon and been fully convinced that that's what I just saw. They will speak in new tongues. That's a tricky one. Are they are they speaking in tongues like, or are they speaking in in new languages that they had not learned? They will pick up snakes with their hands. Oh, maybe that's the, uh, the verse that the snake handler churches pull out and uh, point to. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Just because I personally have not witnessed any of these things. I have not seen someone drink poison, apart from, say, alcohol or eating mushrooms or something like that, and been, well, and survived, I was going to say, and not been affected by it, but they are affected by it, and survived... It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and the sick people will get well. I haven't seen that. There's me being skeptical again, and I'm sorry. I, I said I would try not to do that, but I, I haven't seen that, guys. I haven't seen it. Now let us go to the ESV and read the same passage. So we already know the setup for this one. We already know the premise of uh, Christ's resurrection. So, starting in verse twelve again, after these things he appeared in another form to two of them, and they were walking in the country. So he's in a different he's in a different form, but they recognize him. Intriguing. And they went back. And told the rest, but of course they did not believe him. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at a table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen in in his new form. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It doesn't expand, it doesn't expound, pardon me, upon what will be saved mean. I, I was raised to believe that means you won't go to hell. Um... I don't see a lot of other ways to interpret that, but let's just go with that. We'll be saved. We'll spend eternity in heaven, in paradise, in the presence of God. that's me assuming. That's me playing my own (laughs) devil's advocate here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But whoever does not believe will be condemned... So, condemned, the same word that we see there in the NIV. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Are those tongues new to them? Are they new to the earth? I don't know. And they will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. A thought popped in my head. Maybe he's referring directly to the 12, to to the 11 that did not believe and saying, this is what you're going to go out and do. Maybe that's why I haven't seen it in person. Maybe that's why I haven't seen a person drink poison or lay hands on someone and heal them. He was addressing a particular audience at a particular time. Maybe. So, here we go back to the NIV. And we find ourselves in a parable. Maybe we should backtrack a little bit to get the whole story here. Bear with me. I'm going to read the whole parable. I think that's the best way to approach this one. Again, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them, to his servants. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. And if you're at all familiar with this passage, uh, the word gold is often translated talents. Of course, nowadays talents has an entirely different meaning Um, Honestly, when I was a kid, I used to think talents meant like he gave them abilities or something like that. But it's, it's more of a monetary thing, it seems like here. So he gave them each talents according or gold according to their own ability. Then he went out on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with two bags of gold... Gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So he settled up. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said to you, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It's a test. He he, he gave him a test. I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting when you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So, I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is. Here's what belongs to you. Here's that one bag of gold you gave me. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. And with the first two servants, they're almost gambling. I know it's investment, But investment and gambling are a fine line. I mean, there very easily could have been a circumstance. You know, back then, commerce was much more uh, primitive. There could have been a circumstance where the five bags of gold were lost over some sort of business proposition gone wrong or something like that. So this story seems a little bit counterintuitive when you just read it at face value like that. Uh, Yeah, so... Uh, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. When I returned, I would have gotten it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this sounds like a parable for this guy underperforming. He didn't ask forgiveness. He tried to explain himself. He tried to say, uh, "You know, I thought this is what you would have done. You know, you uh, you're a frugal man, master, and so I hid your money." Just to keep it safe. So here it is. I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing here. And, and But he did make excuses for it. And I wonder, I wonder if these three guys were in cahoots saying, what are you going to do with your ten? Or what are you going to do with your five? What are you going to do with your three? What are you going to do with your one? And this guy with the one was like, I'm not going to gamble. I'm going to put it in a hole in the ground and give it right back to him. He's going to love me. But no, there's no mercy shown to this guy and he is considered worthless and he is thrown out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that phrase, I don't know the original Koine Greek or the uh, Old Testament equivalent of the original translation, but it sounds awful familiar to, uh, to some of Isaiah other books of the New Testament about weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, It almost parallels in uh, Matthew chapter 8. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside the subjects of the kingdom. Not the rejects. The subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that, in all truth, that does not infer an eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth, but nonetheless, sounds like hell to me. Later in Matthew chapter 13, they will throw them into the blazing furnace, the furnace. Sounds like hell. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew is full of this stuff. Matthew 13, a little bit later in verse 50. And throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22, verse 13. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot. I'm going to break rules here. Where's the grace? Where's the grace? Maybe we're missing part of the story. I don't know. Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, two chapters later, he will cut him to pieces Cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One one chapter later. And throw that worthless servant outside. That worthless servant. No grace, no second chance, no 70 times 7 chance. That worthless servant. Into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Last one, Luke 13. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. I see a running theme here. It seems like those who enter the kingdom of God are then thrown out. And I was going to say up until this point that there is no eternal consequence, it doesn't seem. There's no weeping and gnashing in teeth forever and and ever and ever and ever and ever so much. It is more common, at least statistically, that it's perhaps a material thing. There's no allusion to eternity. But here, if they're hanging out with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob... In the kingdom of God, which, like I said before, I'm not convinced the kingdom of God is an eternal place, but rather a mindset, which could very well be in itself eternal and outside of time. A mindset that exists, insists, that is sustained outside of time. But, let's look at this verse again. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself will be thrown out. I know I didn't look at all those verses in Matthew in the ESV. There's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of similarities. Um, I didn't find it necessarily appropriate or worth the time I really hope I did a good job defending the tails versus heads side, as it were, of salvation, of non-purificationism. Shout out to Gregorio. Non-annihilationism. Non-universalism. I hope I did a good job trying to defend the other side of things. I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. I'm not trying to flip-flop. I'm trying to to interview myself to say, well, yeah, man, those verses are in there that seem to infer quite the opposite of what I believe and what sits right with me, that a loving father would not show grace to those who fucked up, who buried their gold, hoping to please him, And then we're punished severely. Severely. So this has been another segment of Sacrilegious Sermons. When I say sermons, I am by no means a pastor. I do have every intent of one day becoming one. And I hope that you can hear what I mean when I say this. Because I do believe in God. I may not define God the way that you do, but I do believe in God. I just want to preface this. I woke up from a dream last night, and I jotted this down, and believe it or not, somehow I could read my own half-asleep handwriting. And I wrote, I believe in the church, not God. The church is tangible. The church needs us. God does not need us. We are called to serve each other. We're not called to wash God's feet. I'm sure there were disciples trying to wash Jesus' feet. Now Mary Magdalene, Mary, washed him with her hair as a sign of humility. But we are not all called to do that. And Christ was a man at the time that that happened we're not all called to wash the ground of beings' feet. And so I believe in serving people and loving people and forgiving people and showing them grace and mercy because humans mess up. Why do we have grace? Why do we have love? Why do we have forgiveness? And I feel like these are words that are not so much... Antiquated, like many biblical terms, grace, second chances, seventy times seven chances. Love, one of the most overused words in our vocabulary, but true love, sacrifice. And forgiveness, even when it's undeserved, forgiveness. Because just as wrong as someone has done to you, you have done to someone. And you would desire, maybe not expect, but accept that forgiveness. And you would be forever indebted. And that's the beauty of it, is that you cannot pay it off, because it is forgiveness. That's all I have to say in this segment of Sacrilegious Sermons... Uh, this has been Tails versus Heads, Caleb vs. Caleb. I hope you listen again next week for part two of my interview with Brian. I just wanted to throw this in there because I've had so many 2 parters recently. I know I need to trim it down. I know that. Uh, leave me a voicemail and tell me that I need to trim it down. Because all these two-parters kind of get a little bit old. I know myself, personally, if I'm listening to podcasts and as a two-parter, I might not listen to that second part. I might not. Should I release really, really long one-part episodes? Or should I release decently long two-part episodes? You guys tell me. But the number for my voicemail... Is six one two four six zero zero three six four or six one two ho double O dogs. I know you love it. You can also go to air of dot com. You can go to patreon dot com slash air of grievances. You can go to patreon dot com slash air of grievances. Please give me a good rating on iTunes. I really want to build this. And I feel like it has potential. I'm not going to lie. I'm not brag. I am bragging. I'm not being humble. I feel like this has potential. And I would appreciate your support. Because I'm poor. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I am poor. And anything that you could donate would help me tremendously. Tremendously. Keep your eyes open again. um, I know I mentioned it last episode, and I will next episode. Keep your eyes open for the Sacred Collective podcast. It's amazing. Go to facebook.com and look up Sacred Collective Twin Cities. You can email me at air, H-E-I-R, of grievances at gmail.com. I will respond to you. I'll respond to your voicemails. I love you guys. I love you, love you love you, love you. Oh and I got a little bit of flack about not shouting out all the music. It's all me. the, the, the only re- why would I play somebody else's music and not shout it out? It's all me and my and my very very good friend yes, my oldest friend. We've known each other since he was three and I was four years old. His name is Daniel Williams. We are next door neighbors. He and I have a side project called Borowick. So all of the songs that you hear on this podcast are either solo projects by myself, Kilbro, Bro, aka Dirt Doctrine, dirtdoctrine.bandcamp.com, or Borowick, which we are working on releasing an album for, but you can find some tunes online. I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. Goodbye, you guys. I can see as soon as you walk out.